Well, we'll go ahead and get started. Um, Miranda's not going to be doing music tonight. She had a little procedure today, and so uh, she won't be here tonight. So we're going to continue our study on believers' authority, and tonight we're going to be talking about unconditional authority, and so let's open with a word of prayer and then we'll get right into it. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you that we can gather tonight in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that the victory truly is ours, that you have given us authority as believers. And as we share these truths tonight, Father, open our hearts and minds to hear and receive those truths that we might apply them in our life. We thank you, Father, for the victory that is already ours. We ask you to bless again this time as we share tonight. And uh, we thank you, Father, that Miranda is the redeemed of the Lord and by the stripes of Jesus, she has been healed. And so we thank you for that. Thank you, Father, in our own lives that we are the redeemed. And as a result of that, we receive all the blessings that have been made available through us, to us through the completed works of Jesus. And Father, we just pray that as we continue this study, we'll become more and more aware of those truths that we might walk in them. And we'll give you the praise and the glory in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. It's really warm in here. I didn't turn any air or heat or anything on because it was kind of just in there, you know. Actually, what I did was open the doors because it was cool in here this morning and it was warmer in the solarium and so then when I look later on this afternoon it was all the way up to 69 so praise the Lord anyway tonight we're talking about <clears throat> unconditional authority and uh, in talking about that what we're what we're going to focus on to some extent is the fact that as believers we've been given through Christ Jesus, we've been we've been given unconditional authority. He said that we would receive that we receive dominion, you know, all over all the things of the earth. And so, what we're kind of looking at tonight is the fact that Satan, um, when you look in the scriptures, there's there's kind of three lines of thought as to how he came into existence and so forth and and so <clears throat> we're going to go with my line of thought <laughs> and uh you know because i believe it's really important you know uh there's a lot of folk that attribute everything that takes place uh here on the earth as being a result uh, of the fact that god created it all you know, whether you use the term predestination or whatever, uh, that everything that is was predestined to be as it is. That the hurricane that hit the East Coast, that was predestined. And so that was a result of, of God's work in the earth. And in fact, no fault to Terry, but insurance companies, you know, on their forms when they can't you know, they, they say this, 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 and this we don't cover. And then at the end, and they say any other act of God or whatever. 
You know, and so everything that's horrible and horrendous is blamed on God. And the reason that that is, that I believe, is that it's, it's the philosophy the behind, that's behind it, the, the system that's behind it. And part of that goes back to ha not having a true understanding of what the Scripture says concerning creation and concerning the fall of man and concerning um, Satan. You know, because one of the lines of thought concerning Satan is that um, the reason that he fell was that he, he got puffed up and he got jealous. I mean, obviously he wanted the authority that God had, but we're left by the impression that he did that in the heavenlies. But you know, <clears throat> I believe that Lucifer was his name, that Lucifer was sent to the earth after creation to minister to Adam and Eve, because as we go along here tonight, we're going to see that the angels are ministering spirits that have been sent forth to minister to the, um, to the sons of God. And that, so that's you and me. And so I believe, we can't see them obviously, but I believe that each and every one of us, we have a ministering spirit, we have an angel um, that is there to, to minister to us. And I believe that that's what Lucifer was assigned to do before um, the fall. So <clears throat> anyway, in fact, let's look at that passage um, first of all, and it's on Isaiah. In Isaiah, the 14th chapter, and the 12th verse, and it says, I was just talking about Lucifer. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you have, are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. And so, you know, he, I believe that he, he, he was sent down to um, minister to Adam and Eve. And, and as we go, read through this, we're going to, I believe that he saw something in Adam and Eve that he desired for himself. You know, the, the thing about angels is, you know, and that's why, you know, we are to um, call forth the angels to send them forth and so forth because um, they're not on their own. They're, they're sent forth to minister to us. They're sent by God to minister. We, we see examples of it with Gabriel and Michael, how God sent them forth to proclaim something. It wasn't that they just did it. They were, they were sent on an assignment to do that. And so Lucifer was an, was an angel of God. You know, <clears throat> I think where Satan is concerned, Lucifer was his name, uh, we need to keep him in, the prop, in proper perspective because I think a lot of people have the concept, the idea, that Satan is like God, but he's not. He's a created being. He's lower than you and I. He, he's a created being, and he's a fallen being. Um, and so being such, he's not omnipresent. He isn't omni-knowing. Knowing. I, I mean, you know, he doesn't know everything. You know, and that's why we're warned through the scriptures uh, to watch what we say. 
because I believe a lot of times in our conversation, um, we fill him in. <laughs> Not him necessarily, but one of his imps. And so that's why we're to guard the words that come out of our mouth. So he's not all-knowing. He's not in all places at the same time. There's only one that can do that, and that's God. And Satan is not God. But I think in the society that we're in, in many Christian circles, um, we've lifted him uh, to that level where he's, he's almost equal with God, and he's not in any way, shape, or form. And so we just need to be aware of that. In Ezekiel, the 28th chapter, and the 13th verse, um, it gives us a, a description of Lucifer. And it says, you are in, the the, in Eden. And so here we see that he is in the garden. Of course, we know that he was because he entered into the serpent and he tempted Eve. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering the sadius, the topaz, the diamond, and a bunch of other stones with gold, the workmanship of your uh, tembrins, brillins, how do you pronounce that? Tembrils and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. See what I mean? He's not a god, he's a created being. In the day that you were created, you were the anointed cherub, so he was an angel. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Now, now this, is, this is kind of the point that I'm wanting to get to here. Um, it says here that when Lucifer was created, remember after God had created the earth and everything, uh, he said it was good. And then he said it was very good. In other words, he was saying all of his creation was very good. Well, if he had created Lucifer to have a flaw, to have iniquity, to that be a part of him, then it wasn't very good. And so I believe, everybody say this is what Pastor Dave believes. I believe that what happened was when he sent down to, was to minister to Adam and Eve, he saw something in them that he longed for. And what that was, was what we're talking about tonight, unconditional authority. Lucifer and all the angels, they carry an element of authority, but it's conditional authority. They have authority to do, to perform the duties that they've been assigned to do, and nothing more, nothing less. What happened with Lucifer is that he went beyond that. He saw something within Adam and Eve. He saw that unconditional <clears throat> authority. And he understood, you know, because he's been in the presence of God. He understood God. He understood that God was true to his word. He was true to his covenants. 
He was true to everything that he said. He was not a man that he should lie. And so he couldn't do anything but do the truth or say the truth or continue in the truth. And so when he heard how God had given man dominion over all the earth, uh, the iniquity that was found in him was that he, he desired, he lusted for that which Adam and Eve had. In, in Hebrews 1.14 is the passage that I was talking about earlier that I believe, um, why I believe that he was sent there to minister to Adam and Eve in the garden. It says, are they, angels, not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? And so I don't believe at this point that Lucifer had transgressed against God. Uh, he became Satan when he saw that unconditional authority and longed for it that Adam and Eve truly had. And so he was there to, to serve Adam and Eve. He wasn't created a miserable, ugly, uh, warped creature. He became that because of his rebellion, because of the iniquity that was found in him. The, the other thing that it shows is that it reveals to us what iniquity really does in the hearts and the minds uh, of an individual that begins to yield their life to it. You know, it, <clears throat> isn't it interesting? Man didn't physically die immediately after the fall. Adam lived some 900 years after that. But, but the deterioration began at that point. Our society didn't just immediately fall apart because of sin. But because of sin, we see how the world that we live in, it, it gets more and more wicked. It seems it's exponential anymore, how wickedness just, boom, there it is. How things, you know, a few years ago didn't appear to be so bad and it's like overnight. It, it's just gotten so much worse, but it didn't happen overnight. It's just been a continual process. But you know, what's interesting is <clears throat> you, you look at the fall of man and then you go to um, the flood. And at the time of the flood, it tells us that every thought of man had become evil in every way. That's how the world at that point had begun to deteriorate because every one of their thoughts, and you know, I always say um, the flood uh, wasn't judgment as much as it was mercy and grace because if the flood hadn't come, it said, but for Noah and his household, the knowledge of God had been lost from the earth. And I think, what would have happened if we had gone another generation or even two generations? Um, the knowledge of God would have been lost from the earth and there would have been no avenue by which a Savior could have come in. And so in reality, the flood was mercy for you and me because it, it, it kept that door open for, for there to be a Savior. And we see that. We, we, we see with Sodom and Gomorrah. Here was a... Uh, a city, a region that became completely evil 
you know, and here's, here's Lot in that despicable uh, place. But yet, even Lot, in a sense, had begun to be affected by it. And so that's what we see happening in our society today, that, that evil, <clears throat> it's just like evil and good. Neither one of them remains stagnant. With good, we'll either progress in the way of good or you fall back in the way of evil. And so it appears oftentimes that evil seems to be overtaking good. But I think so much of it is, is just because it talks so loud and it's so vocal. But there's a lot of good going on in the earth. And so we need to be advocates of that. And so in, in Genesis, we see how um, Satan came in and he entered into the serpent and he, through that serpent, deceived Eve. And she went against the word of God. She rebelled against the word of God. She sold out to the serpent. And as a result of that, because the Bible refers to Satan as the God of this world. And a lot of people have a difficult time with that because they don't understand it. The reason that they don't understand it is because they don't believe Genesis 3. <laughs> you know, and that's why all the wickedness that we see in the world is attributed to God. And, and, and the number one culprit in it is the fact that we've taken and we've, 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 we've taken a worldly philosophy rather than a biblical philosophy. We believe the words of the world rather than the words of the word. You know, because, you know, I was just reading something today and I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have to do a series on this subject because it kind of ignited something in me. But it was talking about why it's so difficult for the gospel to be received in the day that we're in. And it's, it's because we're trying to build something that has absolutely no foundation. You know, <clears throat> I would venture to guess the majority of us in the, this room, when we grew up, we grew up going to church, and we went to church, and we may not have heard all the truth that we're hearing today, but what we did hear, we, we heard the message of creation and we believed it. We heard the message of the birth of Christ and we believed it. We heard the message of uh, Jonah and the message of Noah and we believed it because we were taught that the word was truth. Well, in the day that we're in today, number one is uh, outside of a few churches, you won't hear that anymore. And in many of the churches today, they're, they're teaching and they're preaching um, that those are just simply stories. I, I've, I've been challenged. I'm not going to refer to any of the biblical accounts anymore as stories because a story can be either true or false. These are truths that we have in the Scripture, and we need to get a hold of them, and we need to get them down deep on the inside of us. And we need to look at the book of Genesis literally rather than just being God trying to present a truth to us. And so as a result of that, what happens is the Bible ceases to carry the weight that it once carried. And so when we, when we don't believe in Genesis, and we don't believe Genesis 3, where 
Adam and Eve sinned, you know, why, why do we need a Savior? It isn't so that we can have prosperity and we can be healed. That's part of it. We need a Savior because we're a sinner. But if you don't believe Genesis 3, we don't believe that Satan has deceived mankind and how he deceived Adam and Eve. Um, we don't see, and society today doesn't really see why they need a Savior. Because they don't see themselves as sinners. They don't see themselves in, in need of that. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting. I, I was reading this account of this individual. He is an Australian. And uh, one of the reasons it caught my attention, I just got re done reading a book on Australia. And I didn't know this about in Australia. I'd heard some people allude to it periodically, but I never knew what they were talking about. But Australia uh, was colonized as a prison. And so England, um, they, they had so many criminals and so forth. And I mean, you were, you were criminalized for anything. But they had so many criminals, they didn't have jails for them. And so <clears throat> they would put them on ships. And so they'd sit in the harbor on these ships. And that, that, was, that was a prison. Well, the, the ships that they had were all getting so full. And so somebody had sailed to Australia. And of course, there was nothing there but a few ab, 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 how do you say it? Aborigines. You know, and uh, so they went down there and thought this would be a great place for prison. So that's really how uh, the West colonized Australia was, was through prisons. And, and this guy actually made reference to that. And he said, so, so Australia um, was a heathen nation. Um, but he said the, the only thing that Australia had going for it was that it, was, it had the British form of government. And uh, part of the British government in those early days was that the students were required to read the Bible through once a year. And so even though it wasn't a Christian nation, um, the people had some roots of the Bible because they would read through it. They, had, they knew the story of, of creation. They knew the story of the flood, the story, the accounts of the flood and so on and so forth. So they're aware of those things. And so he was talking about how in the, in the 50s, um, Billy Graham came into uh, Australia and he, he had his crusade. And he said, People had roots in their life so that when he began to present the gospel, they were able to see themselves as sinners and they, were, they went forward and they, they received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But he said if, if, if Billy Graham had another crusade today in Australia, it would be totally different because they no longer have that root because they've been enlightened and so they no longer uh, read the Bible and because it's not a Christian nation, because less than 5% of the people in Australia attend church, um, there, there wouldn't be the people going forward because they, they, they don't have that foundation. The problem we have in the United States today is um, the number that are attending church um, is, is less than 50% now. 
And so we're going in the way of Europe. In Europe, it's 5 to 7% of the people go to church. And so we're heading that direction. And that's why Europe is one of the hardest places on the continent to evangelize because they have no foundation to build upon. You know, I remember when I was pastoring up in Wapaka, I had some young kids. Um, they, had, they had attended church one Sunday morning. There was a move of the Spirit and some things went on and I gave an altar call at the end and they didn't come forward. And, but that afternoon, the lady that had brought these two teenage girls to, to church called me and said, would it be possible for us to come over and talk with you? So they came over to the house. And these girls were curious about what went on at, at church that day. And so I sat down with them and I started to present the gospel to them. And I, I began to share with them, well, you know, as a sinner. And they said, well, what's, what's sin? And I said, well, you know, when you do bad. Oh, oh. You know, the devil. And they said, uh, what's the devil? They, they didn't have a clue. They didn't have any foundation. So I remembered I had this old chick track down in the basement on, and, and it was just pictures. So I went down and got this track and I sat down with these two girls and I explained the pictures to them. And I couldn't use any of our deep religious terms like sin or save or anything. You know, I, had to, had to just, I really had to, excuse me, dumb down, which for me shouldn't have been that challenging, you know, what I had to say to them so that I could explain it because they had absolutely no foundation. And I was absolutely amazed that here we are in Wapaka, Wisconsin, in the middle of the United States of America, and we have people that do not have a clue concerning the gospel. But you know what? About 50% of our nation is in that state right now. That if we try to present the gospel to them, and that's why the massive crusades have such a difficult time in the United States because the individuals that they're, they're ministering to, they don't have anything to build upon because they haven't got the basics, the basic understanding. And you know, the problem is, is the majority or a good number of the people that go to church don't even have that foundation. But let's go back to Genesis. Remember what I said. I believe that Lucifer, when he came to the earth, he saw something that he had never seen before. He saw unconditional authority, and he desired it. Listen to this in Genesis 1, 26. And God said, and so he's saying this to himself, let us... Make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them, whom? Man. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. 
have dominion. And here we go back, have dominion. And this is what I go back to. He saw something that he'd never seen before. Had have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, this has gone a little further than what's in your notes, but I'll just read it anyway. And God said, see, I have given you every herb that, that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, and you, they shall be food. Also all the beasts of the earth and every bird of the air and everything that creeps on the earth, which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. God saw everything that he had made. So this is all inclusive. God saw everything that he had made, which would include the angels. And indeed, it was very good. And so it was evening and morning of the sixth day. And so this is the thing that I want us to see is that Lucifer again saw something that he had never seen before, something that he longed for, something that he desired, unconditional authority. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> right now I'm reading through the book of Acts, and in the, in the book of Acts, shouldn't have brought this up because I can't think of it, an, an, Ananias, Ananias, Ananias. wasn't Ananias, but anyway, the dude that, uh, when, when Paul and Barnabas were preaching and, and uh, uh, well, no, not, when, when Peter and John came down from, from Jerusalem and uh, began to pray for people and they were being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Ananias, he said, uh, I'll give you money for this, for this authority, for this power. And, and of course, he said, you know, away with you and your money. You better pray that God forgives you or you're going to, you're going to bang. No, I didn't say that, but that's Schroeder's paraphrase. It's basically what he said. You know, but see, it was the same thing. He saw an authority that he'd never seen before, that he'd never experienced before. And he, and he longed for it. And in this case, he tried to purchase it. In Lucifer's case, he saw this unconditional authority that he had never seen before. He longed for it to have dominion over the earth. You know, <clears throat> what's really sad is that Adam and Eve, they didn't know what they had. But Lucifer was able to look upon it. He was able to see what they actually had and he, he longed for it. He lusted for it. And so he used deception to get in and he deceived Eve. And what did she do? She ate of the fruit, broke the word of God. God said, the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the day that you're going to die. Why did they eat it? They ate of it because they wanted something that they didn't realize that they already had. They already had. They were already like God because man was created in the image of God. God had actually made man... <clears throat> no, don't get... Don't get mad at me over this one because it's small g. But technically, God made man 
small g, God of his creation. They were in charge. They, they could do it. And so as a result of that, when Adam and Eve sinned and they yielded their will to, to Lucifer, basically, as we hear people preach, they committed, committed high treason, treason and they turned over to Lucifer that which had been his, theirs. And so that's why we see the evil that we see in the world. It isn't because God's creation was inferior, because God's creation was very good. It was perfect in every way. But it was through the deception that came through Lucifer to man that began the destruction that we now see in the earth. And there, there's a whole lot more to this. And like I said, I, I, I've been running these things around in my head, and so I think it's going to have to be a Sunday morning series because there's absolutely no way you can get it done. Well, I could get it done in one Sunday, except we'd have to serve lunch and supper to get it accomplished, which would be fine with me, but I know that there's others that wouldn't feel quite the same. So God created man. He spoke and he gave him dominion, power and authority over all the earth. Now, again, when he gave him this authority, it's, it's important for us to understand that Lucifer understood that God was true to his word. I've got several scriptures in your notes. I'm just going to go ahead and read through them. In Psalms 89, 34, it says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the work that has gone out of my lips. So what is God saying? He's saying, I, my, my covenant, I won't break it. You know, what's gone out of my lips, what I've said, it's settled. And so when he gave Adam and Eve dominion. He didn't say, except if you do this. He gave them dominion. And so because it was theirs, they were able to turn it over to another if they chose. And see, Lucifer, and again, this is just me, but say this Pastor Dave, this is me. I believe Lucifer knew that God would be true to his word and, and he would have to, because of who he was, be faithful and follow through. In Hebrews 1.3 it says, who be in the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Now, why can we trust that? We can trust that because God has always been faithful to his word. Why didn't God just take it back? Because his word then wouldn't have been any good. And if his word isn't any good, then we have no assurance of our salvation. But you know what? I have total confidence. I have total assurance in my salvation because my God is not a man that he should lie that everything that he says is absolutely truth. Even to 
his own disadvantage because God wanted to have fellowship. Why did, why did God create man? Because he wanted to have fellowship with man because he wanted to interact with man. And as a result of the fall, for some 4,000 years, he wasn't able to have the relationship with man that he desired to. Not till after the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And so man, because of the fall, couldn't have fellowship with God, but God wouldn't back down on his word. He was true to his word. And so now, through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, we have confidence that we now have a home in heaven because God is true to his word. In Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie. I made reference to that. Nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, I will not, I will, has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and he will not make it good? If he's spoken it, he's going to do it. He's going to fulfill his will, his, his word. Psalms 138, 2. I will worship towards the holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. So again, what's, what's the significance of those passages? The significance of those passages is that God is true to his word and he demonstrated that in the fall of man. Just think about that. He demonstrated that in the fall of man. And isn't he going to continue to demonstrate it in our lives with everything that he's said along the way? By his stripes we've been healed. That's his word to you and me. And so we can have confidence in that. We can have assurance in that. Uh, he'll supply every one of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. We can have confidence in that. Why? Because it's his word. And his word is true. You know, in Timothy it says that we should study his word and show ourselves approved. You know, <clears throat> and so it's, it's speaking concerning each and every one of us that we are to, that we are to study his word. And so, you know what? It's, it's one thing for me to tell you a thing. But you know, it's just totally another thing when you see it in the scriptures. And he says, each of us as individuals, we're to study the word of God for ourselves. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to get into the Greek and in the Hebrew, or there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to at least be reading the word. And, you know, and, and again, that's why I give you notes. So you can go back in it and check out what I'm saying here tonight. Because if what I'm saying tonight, if you can't find it in the scriptures, then you want to find another preacher. Because you want somebody that's going to be preaching the word of God. And so I have confidence that, that what I'm sharing with you tonight is, is scripture. I've shared the scriptures with you. But this, don't take my word for it. Go back and, and study it for yourself and see how God is true. And so I believe that as Lucifer, because he was in the presence of God and he, he saw man and he saw the authority that he carried, the antennas went up and he said, 
I haven't got that, but I want that. And so that's when the deception came in. You know, and, and how did he deceive Eve? He deceived her by misinterpreting the scripture. How, do, how are we deceived? We're, we're, we're men and women of the word. Amen. How do we get deceived? The only way we can be deceived is either we don't know what the word says or we allow somebody to misinterpret it and we read it wrongly. And so that's why it's so important that we read the scriptures, we have an understanding of the scriptures, that we stand upon the scriptures. Deuteronomy 29.9, 29.29, it says, you know, and the reason that I put this in there is because, you know, <clears throat> some of these things that I'm sharing with you aren't totally clear. But it says the secret things belong to God, to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed, they belong to us. The things that are revealed, they belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of the law so that we can do what the word says. The secret things belong to God if he's not revealed it. But you know, <clears throat> the Bible talks about the mystery. You know, if you read through the scriptures, you'll see that there, there are certain things there. It's referred to over and over again as the mystery. And, and oftentimes we think of a mystery and we think of something being kept from us, something being hid from us, and so it's mysterious. But when the Bible is talking about a mystery, it's talking about something that has been hidden for us. And so we look at the New Testament and the mystery that are, the mysteries that are revealed in the New Testament were not hidden from man, but they were hidden for us, for the dispensation that we're in right now. <clears throat> People say, well, you know, the rapture, you can't, you can't find it in prophetic scripture. No, you can't, because it's the mystery. And so it's revealed in the New Testament. And so you can study the whole Old Testament. You might find some things that may allude to it a little bit, but you don't really find it because it's the mystery it was hidden for us the church of our Lord Jesus Christ that we can have boldness and confidence in the day of judgment knowing that we're already judged that when um, judgment comes upon the earth <clears throat> I don't know what you are whether you're pre-trib mid-trib post-trib or some trib in between I'm I'm pre-trib I'm out of here you know and so the judgment doesn't come upon me when Judgment comes upon the earth. I'm sitting in the presence of Jesus. You know, <clears throat> but uh, that was hidden for us. The church. You don't find the church in the Old Testament. You don't, you don't find in the Old Testament the body of Christ. Because it was part of the mystery. It was hidden for us to be revealed to us 
in the dispensation in the day that we're in. And so um, the secret things belong to the Lord. But those things which are revealed belong to us. But you know what? <clears throat> They're not only supposed to belong to us, they're to belong to our children as well. And that means that then we have a responsibility to pass that, those truths that have been revealed to us onto the next generation. <clears throat> you know, when I was, when I was uh, plumbing in New Orleans, Minnesota, I was working with this, uh, this guy is a Christian. But anyway, <clears throat> one day we drove down Main Street New Alm, and he says, you know, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a very interesting phenomena, you know, because I know the history of this city. And he's, he's driving down the street, there were these storefronts that were empty. And he says, there's an interesting phenomena with the business, and you'll find this to be true in just about every area. He says, with the business, you'll have, you'd be the grandfather, he starts the business. And so he invests all his time, his talent, and treasure into the business and just pours himself into the business. And, uh, and then he has a son. You know, and they really live on the scraps because they're building the business. But the second generation comes along and things are a little better because the business has been established. And so as a result of that, they begin to, they live a little better. They buy a newer house, a newer car. They have nicer things. They begin to live pretty good. But yet, the father still invests in the business because he saw the sacrifice that his father made, the grandfather. But then the third generation comes. The son, the, the son comes along, and he didn't see the sacrifice. All he ever saw was the blessing because he wasn't taught the sacrifice. And so he doesn't invest anything into the business. All he does is take out of the business and take and take and take. And so by the time the grandfather's gone and the father's gone and the son is operating the whole business, eventually what happens, it goes belly up because there's no increase, there's no investment in the business. And when you just take, 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 Eventually, it implodes, and it's destroyed, and he loses the business. But you know, it's an interesting thing in Christendom. We see the same thing that happens. <clears throat> I had a professor or instructor, I don't know if he, he probably wasn't a professor, but he was a four-square pastor. He was one of my instructors at COC, and he talked about it from this standpoint. He says it's an interesting phenomena when you look at the growth of a church or a denomination. When they begin, um, their focus is on the poor and the middle class. And that's where their focus is. And they begin and they minister the gospel, whether it be through the word or through benefits and activities to the lower class and to the, to the middle class. But the, the phenomena is, is time goes along and they begin to get their buildings. And he says, the other thing is, is the emphasis on 
the literal interpretation of Scripture, the simplicity of the gospel. But he says, then as the church begins to grow and progress, what happens is they begin to be more and more educated. And so rather than putting their emphasis upon the literal interpretation of Scripture, they begin to put the emphasis on the education and their own interpretation of Scripture. Now, I believe you can have both. But you know what? You have to make a decision that you're going to remain with the simplicity of the Word of God. Because oftentimes with, with education, and I'm not opposed to education, by the way. I just wasn't very good at it. <laughs> but I'm not opposed to it. But the problem with education is they want everybody to become a free thinker. And I believe we need to think for ourselves but our thinking needs to be based upon the literal interpretation of the Scripture. And so what it does is it begins to move you away from the literal interpretation of Scripture. And as that happens, you move from ministering to the lower class and the middle class to the middle class to the upper class. And eventually you get to the point where you don't even want to have to mess with the lower class because, you know... Their conditions are self-imposed and all this kind of thinking rather than reaching out to them. Isn't it interesting? Jesus was accused, and I, I believe it's because he did and is more comfortable with them. He hung out, said, with wine-bibbers and prostitutes because they would listen to him. You know, and sometimes we're trying to preach to those that really don't want to hear what we have to say. And so maybe we ought to take a lesson out of Jesus' handbook. But anyway, this is the point that I wanted to bring out. We don't want that to be our case with the gospel. We don't want it to be, you know, and I believe that that's what happens. I believe oftentimes in the church, the the grandfather was excited about the Word of God and the father is still excited about the Word of God because they saw some of the operation. But then in the third generation, all of a sudden they begin to fall away because they don't see the reality of it. You know, that's why it, one of the reasons why it thrills me so much that Isaac is in the ministry because, you know, his mother grew up in a pastor's home, he grew up in a pastor's home, and he wants to be a pastor. You know, that's how it ought to be for, for all of us, but it's got to be alive. It's got to be based on something. It's got to be the Word of God. It can't be, as I said earlier, about a bunch of stories that we can't explain. Because what? We don't have to explain it. Because when we believe it, it becomes a reality to us, and it becomes a reality not only to us, but those around us. And so we need to stand upon the Word of God. 2 Peter 2.4, it says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, notice, that even the angels sinned. You know, it's an interesting thing. 
Angels didn't have unconditional authority. But they could also choose not to listen to God. And we know that a third of them fell. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them in the change of darkness to be reserved for judgment. You know, and so here it's talking about Lucifer is talking about Satan, how he sinned against man. He sinned against God, rather. But man sinned against God by listening to him and, and buying in to the deception. For us, though, there was a mean of, means of salvation. But you know, for salvation to be truly effective, we have to be to the point we re-realize that we have a need for a savior. And I think the biggest hindrance to the gospel today, or one of the greatest hindrances, is that people don't believe that they need a savior. Because they've not been taught, they don't believe the book of Genesis. And so unless you believe in the fall, you'll never believe you need a Savior. You know, when I was in Ankeny, Iowa, um, the church that we were a part of there had a program they called Evangelism Explosion. You've heard me make reference to it once in a while. <clears throat> but in, in, in Evangelism Explosion, what you, what you did was the, the, the root of the whole program was an outline. You learned this outline as to how to present the gospel in an um, organized, disciplined way. And when you presented the gospel to somebody, you always started out in Genesis. And he talked about the fall. And he talked about how Adam, how God created man, and when God created the earth, everything was per perfect, and he placed Adam and Eve in the garden, gave them dominion, and Satan, Lucifer, came and he deceived Eve in the form of the snake, and you think everybody knows the story, but they don't. At least they don't know the application of it, and how as a result of the, the temptation, Eve fell, and they sold out and, and man sinned and, and so that sin has been passed from generation to generation and, and so it, it isn't basically what we do that makes us a sinner. It's the fact that we were born that makes us have a need for a savior because of the sin of humanity. And so you go through that and as you go through that individuals begin to see, well, I guess I am a sinner then. And if I am a sinner, then I, I need a, a savior. And so why does the enemy attack these accounts in Genesis and try to convince people that they're just simply a bunch of stories and they're really not relevant for the day that we end. Because that's, that's what we hear. It's not 
It's not relevant any longer. Yes, it is. It will always be relevant because the need of a savior is always based on the fact that man sinned and sold out to Satan, that Satan, the God of this world, is dominating and controlling the lives of individuals. And the only way that they can be free from that is through the blood of Jesus. And see, we have to be convinced of that. We have to be so convinced of that that we are willing to present the people the full truth of the gospel. Not just the wonderful part that Jesus died and Jesus is raised from the... Thank God! But why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to be raised from the dead for our justification? Because man sinned and man spiritually died. And the only way to gain back that life that was lost is through Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. In God good. So, let's pray. Think about that. Unconditional authority. That's been given to you and me. We need to use the authority that has been invested in us in Christ Jesus. But first we have to recognize that it truly belongs to us. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you this evening for your goodness and for your love. We ask you to bless each household that is represented here tonight. Father, we just pray a blessing upon them and that we might receive the fullness of your revelation. We pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.